0: they're sharing, but now we as Christians, we need to hear from God. God made woman and God made man. And I chose this parable of the sower in particular because I find it fascinating in the gospel of Luke. He seems to record Jesus, not just hanging out with the Jewish leaders and the the disciples, the apostles, He hangs out with women. Jesus has this amazing relationships with women. And so, so much so, they are pretty established women, pretty well-to-do women, and they were actually helping uh, financially support Jesus' ministry, and also just being a support to all the women who have been following Jesus. It's not just the men. I know the men get mentioned in the Bible, but women were there too. So, we enter the scene of the parable of the sower, and just before this, this, this Luke 8 account, John the Baptist is on the scene and the hope is that John's uh, preaching would convince the Israelite nation, the people who had a covenant relationship with God, people that were in the Old Testament covenant, that they would respond to John the Baptist and get baptized in preparation for the Messiah, which is Jesus. But when the Jewish leaders came down and saw many people getting baptized, they themselves rejected Jesus. John's teaching. The hope was for them to become followers of John the Baptist, which would lead them to the Messiah. As as Luke says earlier, the Pharisees and the experts of the law rejected God's purpose for them because that was God's purpose for them to respond to John because they had not been baptized by John. And then Jesus has, he's there, he's, you know, hanging out with John later on and that's how he gets started Jesus goes to a Pharisee's house and he's having dinner there. He gets invited. They're kind of checking out Jesus. Like, hey, you're saying you're the Messiah. We got your prophet. We got to check you out. And while he's having dinner, this woman who has lived a sinful life, that's the Bible describing that person, not me. The Bible describes her having a sinful life. If you're a woman, you know, there's a propensity to have a sinful life. That's that's normal. So do men. She comes in and breaks, and, breaks uh, and, and cries and sheds tears and puts perfume on, on Jesus' feet. And the response of the Pharisee is, if he only knew who was touching him, surely this man is not a prophet. That was the disdain that God's Israelite leaders had for others. It's a description of one of the hardest hearts You can imagine you're sitting in a room. Someone literally cries because they're so grateful and they wash the feet of Jesus with their tears. And all you can think of is if he knew who was touching her, he's definitely not a prophet. Can you imagine the hard heartedness of that person? That heart is reflected in a wider scale, not just with the Jewish leaders, but with the Israelites who rejected Jesus. This parable highlights not just the women, but it highlights the hard-heartedness of God's people in Jesus' time. Let's look at the next slide. Did it click over? Let's read the parable together. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits. That's just creepy. And, and diseases. Mary called Magdalene. From whom seven demons had come out. Joanna the wife of Chusa. The manager of Herod the Great's household. It's Herod's household. Susanna. And many others. These women were helping to support them. Out of their own means. And I appreciate Luke highlighting the women that are surrounding Jesus. And 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 a large crowd gathers. And while they were gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, The plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell on among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Jesus is talking to the Israelites. He's talking to people that are part of God's old covenant. And they're supposed to be faithful to God. And God would send prophets and prophets and prophets to God's people. And Jesus comes on the scene. And there's already a hard heartedness of the leaders. And what happens is that Jesus tells him the story about this farmer. And he describes seed being thrown in different locations. One is on the path and that gets trampled. The others on rocky ground and it gets withered because it has no moisture and then there are thorns and it gets choked out. And then there's good soil and it produces a crop. The environment of the seed matters. The environment of which the seed where it lands matters. Because if it lands on the path, it gets trampled and the birds come If it lands on the rocks, it's not enough soil there and it gets withered because the sun comes out. If it lands in the thorns, it gets crowded out and it's prevented from growing. You know, sometimes our environment crushes our faith. And you have to wonder what is your environment like because God has put a seed in your heart too. Because your environment matters. If you hang around with enough positive people, your results usually are a positive faith going, God, God's in control. When you hang around negative people, it does something to your face sometimes. Most of us know this parable. But he gathers a crowd and tells this parable, and then he says this. Whoever has ears, let him hear. That that phrase is not found in the Old Testament. It's a new phrase that Jesus said. He just tells him the story. He says, if you got ears, let him hear. And he walks away. And you're like, what did it mean? We know what it means. We've read it a thousand times. They had no, what, what was that? What did he mean? He said, this is a parable. If you have ears, I hope you can hear it. Can you imagine how befuddled, did, did it show, the meaning of this parable? What, you, what, what was that? Jesus doesn't translate. He doesn't interpret the parable for the people. That's weird. Why wouldn't he do that? Why, why would Jesus not give them a parable and then interpret for them so they can respond to his message? Why would he just walk away after saying a a story about a farmer? Jesus was proclaiming fundamentally the kingdom has arrived. But the people don't want to hear that. The leaders don't want to hear that. He spoke in parables and people like Jesus but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Why? So his disciples pull him aside. Jesus, Jesus can you tell I me? Mean, these are the guys that are walking with Jesus. Can you tell? So if they had no clue, you can imagine the crowd had no clue. They're going, what was that? And so the disciples are going like, hey, what does it mean? And Jesus goes, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others... I speak in parables. They're like, what? Wait a minute. Secret knowledge. They're like, what do you? They're still trying to process what that parable meant. And Jesus tells them, I'm going to give you the secrets, but I'm not going to tell them what it means. Why? Because Jesus was talking to a people that could not be persuaded. So he tells them stories and parables. Because they're unpersuadable. Even if Jesus did a miracle, they're unpersuadable. So he tells them in parables, and he says this statement. And everyone who heard the statement knew what it meant. Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, They may not understand. That is a phrase that Israelites know all too well. That's a phrase that's in their Bible, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah. When Isaiah was sent to the people of Israel and says, if you don't change your heart, there's going to be a destruction of our temple. And Isaiah would preach and preach. And he would say this phrase. Though you are seeing, you may not see. Though you are hearing, you just don't understand. Because God's people were hard hearted. Do you have ears this morning? (laughs) Isaiah was warning his countrymen. And trying to persuade them that they've gotten off track, they've veered away from being God's people. They started to mistreat people. They started to um, worship other deities. We talked about them last week. They started to take advantage of each other. They started to abuse each other. and the result was a hard heart. And he was warning them, if you don't turn around, if you don't respond to God, God's going to bring judgment. And in 722, God brought judgment on Samaria. And God's people were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. Let's take a little, pic- Let's take a little uh, stroll down memory lane. When Isaiah is standing in the presence of God, look who's there. When God commissions Isaiah for this amazing task of going to God's people who he already knows are hard-hearted. Can you imagine being asked to go and love and share the gospel with people who are hard-hearted in your relational world? You leave here and you're going, I want to share my faith and share my life with the that, that people I your life with. And you know they're hard-hearted. Isaiah can relate to you. Because that's where God's sending him. He's sending him to your mom who might be hard-hearted. He's sending him to your dad who might be hard-hearted. Or your brother or your sister or your neighbor who's hard-hearted. But he keeps coming over and hanging out with you. That's the guy. In the year of King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord Adonai, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. Just so you know, angels don't have wings. The only spiritual beings that have wings in the Bible are the seraphim. And they're half animal and half spiritual being. And they're ferocious. These are the guys that guarded the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve got shushed out. And they're war. And they're these these spiritual beings, these seraphim. They are throne guardians. They guard God's throne. Guess who else is there? God, seraphim, angels, thrones. Because it's a divine council scene. And whenever a prophet is commissioned by God, he has to stand before God in this kind of scene. So God tells him what to say to the people. You know, the prophets don't walk around and all of a sudden they get zapped by a lightning bolt. Going, okay. God gave me a message. No, no. God comes. Gives him a revelation, a vision of what he can see in the spiritual world. God is there with his throne, with his seraphim, with worship. The divine councils is there. And he gets a commission to go. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Because prophets were commissioned this way because they were the covenant enforcers. They were the guys that would go in there and remind the people of the covenant that they have with God. And so Isaiah goes, they're hard hearted. And he goes. God goes, I know, but I'm sending you anyway. And he said, go and tell this people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. You can come to church every Sunday and your heart doesn't move an inch. You can read your Bible every single day and your heart doesn't move an inch. You can do spiritual things. And your heart never moves. Go and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. There comes a point when you're so hard hearted, you can't see God's hand moving around you. You don't see the spiritual forces of good in the heavenly realms acting on your behalf. You see nothing but your own world and your own life. And in verse 10, make the heart of these people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their ears, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. God's people, the people of his inheritance, his chosen people through Abraham were unwilling to be persuaded to change course. They were unwilling to listen to God's word and God's prophets. Self-deception. We all have blind spots that other people see in us. We know things, but we have blind spots. And sometimes God brings a person to reveal our blind spot, and we get so offended. How dare you? It's insensitive. Now, delivery has to be wise, of course. You know, it's always annoying when someone always tells you the truth in an annoying way. You only can take that for so much. So tact is important. But God uses people in your relational world to reveal some of your blind spots that you don't see. And so in the Old Testament, prophets were commissioned to go in and tell the people they have a blind spot. Now, we're the people of God. We're God's people. This parable is written for for the Israelites, but it's also written for the Christians. How far have you gone? How far have you drifted from the teachings of Jesus? You know, we have a tendency as Christians to ignore, to ignore straight commands in the Bible. We, we have a tendency of doing that. When God says command, we're like, oh, it's optional. And then we make the optional ones like commandments. We're like, we've almost reversed them. But there are some things that God says, hey, command this, do this. Hey, do, make sure the church knows, hey, this. And then we're like, eh, if I feel like it. That's a sign that your heart is hard. Something's happened to you. But do not panic because Jesus has the remedy. When we talk about our relational world, we call it oikos. And some some are like, oh, I like that. I can do that. I haven't started it, but I can do it. I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to watch others first, see if they're doing it too. And if they're not doing it, I'm sure not going to do it, but you know, if they do it, I'll do it. Or that word oikos is weird. I don't like that word oikos. I'm not behind this. I don't like it. You see where we go? What would you you rather hear? Go make disciples now. Or oikos. It doesn't matter to me. It's still the same command. The, the, The issue is not the command or the scripture or the person saying it. The issue is your heart might be hard. And you might not believe it or be willing to acknowledge it. That's the problem. Are we intentional about disciple making in our relational world? Do we have a purpose and an intention? Or maybe you don't because it's, it's the hard heart that he's talking about. You know, he quotes it again in John chapter 12. It's not the first time Jesus uses that phrase. They literally reject Jesus in John 12. He quotes Isaiah again as Jesus goes into Jerusalem for the crucifixion. The Jewish nation just could not believe that Jesus is the anointed one. After all the miracles, all the healings, all the things they saw, the amazingness of it, they couldn't wrap their minds around that Jesus was the Messiah. And so Jesus says this. He has blinded their ears and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Jesus quotes it to the leaders of the Jewish nation. Their refusal to accept Jesus. And then Isaiah says, John has a statement saying, back in Isaiah 6, he says, Isaiah saw Jesus' glory. But the Bible says it was God. He saw Jesus' glory in Isaiah 6. Because it was a divine counsel scene. Hard hearts have a tendency of stopping miracles. In Mark 6, Jesus goes to his hometown. He goes, I would have done more miracles, but you guys have no faith. I'm not going to do them there. There's some kind of connection to hard heartedness and lack of miracles in your life. All we have Ooh. to do is have a grateful heart to Jesus. A grateful heart. That's the remedy to a hard heart. A hard heart usually is what you're, God has not done for you. God has not given you. God has not answered this prayer. God has not, no, 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 no. Last time I checked, my sins were forgiven. Last time I checked, I was saved from this life of depravity. Last time I checked, I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. But our tendency is always what we don't have. And that's a a cocktail for a hard-heartedness. What God has not given or not done. Let me show you a picture. Is there a picture up there? You know, there's, there's a little, it's like, it's, like, it's like the Grinch's heart, you know, a little bit there. Parable of the soul is trying to get you to take a look inside your hearts. The Jewish leaders rejected Jesus. But whenever you reject his teaching, you reject Jesus too. Whenever you don't follow through on the teachings, you're rejecting the teachings. And I'm talking to stubbornness, rejection, like I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. My line is here. I'm not doing that. That's a hard heartedness. So. where else is it used in the Bible, this phrase? Paul going around to the Jewish synagogues and teaching and saying, Jewish guys, I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm the smartest Pharisee. My dad was a Pharisee. I know I was faultless. I was the best Jew that God ever made. And he's trying to talk to his Jewish brother saying, Jesus is the Messiah. I know. I'm the theologian. Believe me. I hated the church. I killed the Christians. I did. But I'm telling you, he's the Messiah. And guess what happened? They didn't listen to Paul either. They didn't listen to Isaiah. They didn't listen to Jesus. And they're not listening to Paul And so Paul goes to Rome and he finally lands in Rome and he arranges a meeting with his Jewish brothers. He said, God, let's get together. I got to tell you this message. And even a larger uh, people came to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening. I believe in 30 minute sermons, but, you know, this was a little longer. He went morning till evening. I guess there was a lot to cover. I guess there was a lot of information to cover ground there. Explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Jesus tries to persuade his own fellow Israelites, his people, his treasured possession, that he's a Messiah? No, you're not. Paul Becomes a disciple, goes to his brethren, goes to his brothers and says, look, let me tell you that. Let me try to persuade you. You know, Hebrews 13, it says, obey your leaders. The actual word is persuade. Are you persuadable by your leader? I sat in those pews too and I hear sermons. I still hear sermons. I heard a sermon yesterday. By Ron Quinn. And whenever I sit down and hear the word of God open, I open my heart to be persuadable. The longer you are as a Christian, the more harder that becomes. Because you think you know everything. You have a record of good things you've done. And that also plays into your hard heart. Sometimes our great accomplishments make us hard to other future things that God is doing. I don't know about you, but culture changes. You know, I thought I knew acronyms. The kids these days, I know nothing. I need a new dictionary to translate their letters, which means for words. I have no idea. When I get text messages from my son and my daughter, I'm going, I I have no idea what that means. I have no clue. What does that mean? If I want to connect with them, I better change. If I want to relate to them, I better change.
1: Because I, be, I can be like, oh, it's
0: just, they're, just, they're just dumb kids. It's simple. <laughs> just use one finger and you can press all the things you want. Whatever happened to the flip phone. You know, you can go on and on. So Paul is trying to persuade. I'm trying to persuade. I'm trying to persuade you. That if you haven't given yourself to seeing what God has done in, in your life, in your relational world and be intentional. I'm trying to persuade you. Because that's, that's why we're here. We're here for no other reason besides that. Just a few weeks ago, we had the privilege of baptizing my daughter. Okay, that was amazing. That is amazing. She hates when I do that. I rarely do this, but I wanted to make a point because that's the relational world. There's an intention in my relational world. And so Paul is trying to convince his brothers. In verse 24, some were convinced by what he said. But others would not believe. Can you imagine that? They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. So Paul says, the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said, through Isaiah the prophet, go to these people and say, you'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And they walked out. How dare you challenge me? You don't know me. You just got here, Paul. Can you imagine yourself talking like that? We don't say it out loud, but we think it inside, like, who are you? Are you hearing God this morning? Are you able to see this morning? Confession. If you text me in the morning and I don't have my glasses on, I can't see a thing. When I put these on, it's like magic. I can read your texts, I can read emails. The moment I take these things off, and if it's close, I mean, you could rob me. (laughs) And when I put them on, I see so clearly. And sometimes we need just to change the lenses that are on our hearts. Because sometimes our heart wants to see, but it can't see, and it's blurry, and it's confusing. These were God's covenant people. These weren't like non Christians. This was written to people like you who are right with God. And God's saying, listen, examine yourself this morning, examine your heart. Because a hard heart over time will crush your faith, where you won't believe and you will walk. And you'll walk out like these guys did. You'll be, you'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn. That means repent. And I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. This is the turning point. God knew this, knew this all along, but Paul's going, now I'm going to go to the Gentiles. and You know what? They're going to listen because they're in darkness and they want light. But God's people are in, are in the light, but yet there's darkness. And that's where we can end up as a church. We're not careful. Hard hearts are individualized. But when you put a group of people with hard hearts together, it hurts the church. And part of your duty is to see someone with a hard heart and have that conversation. Don't wait for me to do it. It's everyone's responsibility to go, hey, your heart is hard. Can we go pray? What can I do? How can I help? But identify. Because sometimes you see a hard heart and you go, someone better help him. No, he's in your, he's in your world. He's, you see him more than anybody else. It'd be awkward, some finger comes, hey bro, you have a hard heart. I saw it. I saw the way you looked at church. That's weird. But if you have a relationship with that person, you're the person to talk to him. Because it's, it's a friend coming at him versus a complete stranger. So where are you today? Are you persuadable? Where is the seed and where's your, what's your environment? Is, are you on the path? Where the seed hasn't sunk into the ground and so it gets trampled? Are you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you hanging out with people that are trampling on you? Trampling on your seed? Trampling on your faith? Because environment matters. You keep hanging out with the wrong people and bad things are going to happen eventually. Because environment matters. Your seed's getting trampled. You leave here going, man, I have faith. But then uh, then let's not go on that path. How about the rocky ground? There's a lot of rocks. There's no moisture. The ground is shallow. The sun comes out and it withers you. The heat comes. Or the thorns. They choke you. Pleasures. Choke you. Worry. Choke you. I'm giving you the the interpretation. Chokes you. Crushes you. You can't grow. Or lands on good soil. Which one are you? Because if you're on the path and people are trampling your seed, just know that's the devil coming at you. He's going to snatch it. If you're on the rocky... You're excited, but then you quickly leave because you have no root because you got tested. You leave, you're excited, you get tested, you're going, oh, forget it. You got thorns. You just can't mature. You can't grow. You're making the same choices you did now five years ago. Same choices, same attitude, same, same hard-heartedness. You're just not growing. You can live that way for 10, 20 years. But know that your heart's hard, and know that God sees that, because God's the only one that sees your heart clearly. And then there's that good soil. Noble, good heart. They hear the word, they're able to retain it. They produce a crop, a harvest. They, they allow themselves to be moved to believe what God is saying. What does that mean for us? We as disciples need to be disciplined and intentional about our discipleship. So what I mean. I go and find people who will strengthen me. I go and find people that I can strengthen. See how that works? Here's what I don't do. I only go to find people that I can strengthen. And then I don't get strengthened myself. Because you can do that. You know go, I'm going to be the helper of all. I'm going to help a lot of people. You're blind. Because you need strengthening. I go and pursue get, to get strengthened by other brothers. Because I need, I want that. My blind spots get filled. I get a good, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that about myself. That's awesome. What do you think? What's your input? What's my life? And then I'm able to go and help and strengthen others. Disciplined and intentional. Two is to grow in our faith. That means at least reading your Bible. At least praying. Be intentional. Thirdly is being intentional about being mission-oriented. The people that are in your life that God wants you to continually invest time in and reach out to. Because the question, if you're not doing that, otherwise, are you even a disciple? Are you a disciple by name? I love the title, not the life. Remember, God, these are God's people. The God's saying they, can, they are looking, but they can't see. They're hearing, but they can't hear. And destruction falls on them. Remember, I'm not the judge. God is the judge. I'm just the messenger, but I'm not an angel. The good soil, if left uncultivated, gets thorny, weeds come, and it gets choked out. The other day, I had my son pull all the weeds out of um, my backyard. Not because he's noble or anything like that, He he was disciplined. He got busted, and I got lazy, and that combination works really well. So I'm waiting for his next time of disobedience because I have other things I want him to do because I'm getting old and my back hurts. So he pulled up all the weeds, and he did a phenomenal job because if you want your phone back, this all has to be done. You can take a day, you can take a month, or you can take a year. But Until that's done, your phone is in my back pocket. And lo and behold, in two hours... There wasn't a weed in sight, and I was—I was like, That's pretty impressive, kid." Well, here's your phone, with no social media. You get that back when you start changing your character, and then I just noticed something—the other day I went in the backyard. And I'm going, "The weeds are back." <laughs> And they're coming back with some vigor. And I go, I'm doing the parable of the soil. And, that, and, it, and it hit me. Soil left uncultivated, unmaintaining, unmaintained, undisciplined. You'll go back to the same way how it looked, thorny and weedy and getting choked. We got to stay disciplined as God's people. And I leave you with those final words. We're going to close out in a song. Thanks so much for your time and attention.